Hello. Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of July 9, 2012. This is episode 156, and I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast, and with me today is one lone co-host. <laughs> uh, Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. Hello, Adam. Hey. So we're short one today. We are. It's a holiday week. Makes it... Uh can make things tricky. It can, but we wanted to go ahead and forge forward and, and pull one off this week. Here we are. And here we are. We're missing Jackie's bubbly <clears throat> responses in between, and instead it's being filled by dead air. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. We'll make this a fairly brief podcast. How about that? That'll help with the dead air problem. Sounds good to me. All right. I got so, stuff to do. Yep. Stuff to do, people to see, weenies to roast. You know, we're recording this before 4th of July, and my plan for 4th of July was just to stay home with my kids and, you know, hang out, grill, have a bonfire. But it is so friggin' yeah. hot that it literally last night at 10 o'clock was 91 degrees. It was which, gross. Not really conducive to a bonfire. Not so much. Did you see? I saw on the news last night that some dude's mailbox like literally melted. The post it was like a some cheap plastic thing, but the post that was holding it up like withered in the heat, and the whole mailbox just kind of like went flaccid and fell over. <laughs> <laughs> flaccid mailbox post. <laughs> There's our show title. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal. I mean, it's bad for here. And they, I saw today that the heat index today could make it feel like it's 113 with oh, the humidity. But I know so, it's worse in other places than that. Yeah, yeah, it's so gross. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just you, when you open the door, you just want to not go out. Hard to breathe and. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll weather on in our air conditioned comfort. <laughs> we won't have any flaccid mailbox post incidents. <laughs> okay, so last time we talked, uh, we were actually broadcasting live, um, following immediately following the announcement of the ruling on uh, Obamacare, and we said that we would revisit it in depth in our next podcast. Well, it's the next podcast, and I really can't think of anything um, less appealing <laughs> than... <laughs> exploring it in depth. I think we need to address it, uh, and I'm going to do so by leveraging a piece of content that I think does a good job of catching the highlights. And the reason is, I just don't think we're going to be able to lend anything useful to this that people haven't already talked about or heard. So, you know, I don't want to just blow by it, but this is an article from Becker's Hospital Review, which is a nice Nice resource, nice website for content. And it is, the headline says, what the healthcare healthcare law ruling means, four points to keep in mind. So again, uh, everybody knows the outcome. Uh, Still some debates. What I, you know, if I want to lend my own political bent to this, I like how, you know, there are certain people in the media that have to be contrarian to everything. Right. So what, what makes me laugh is... You know, it's it's hard to argue from whatever your political perspective that this was not a win for Obama. But the people that are bending over backwards to, to make it, you know, to kind of explore, is it worse for Obama is just kind of funny. Like, he would have been better off if he lost. 
You know, it's not like it's a hundred percent landslide awesomeness for him uh, for a couple of reasons we'll get into, but I don't think that he would have preferred, you know, an alternate outcome where it would have been, you know, struck down. So that's all I have to add to that. Uh, So here are the four points in a nutshell. One, the individual mandate stays, but as a tax. So that's one way people are going, oh, yeah, you know, you won, but it's a a Pyrrhic victory. You know what a Pyrrhic victory is? Hello? I don't. (laughs) You're going to tell me, though, right? (laughs) Well, I will. Uh, Pyrrhic victory. I think the guy's name was actually Pyrrhus, and I think it's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's P-H-Y-R-R-U-S, something like that. So I'm going to say he was a Greek or a Roman. And he was a general, I think. So please correct me if I'm wrong on all this. But he won a he won a victory in battle, but he lost so many troops that he like couldn't fight again or something. So in other words, you win the battle, but you it costs you so much that you know it may not have been worth it in the first place. Yeah, you might, you might as well have lost. Right. So again, I think that's a strong statement. Of course, you know those who oppose Obamacare are um, gripping onto this statement that hey this works as a tax not as a mandate uh, nothing or a penalty ha- whatever and on that point i mean nothing has changed about it right they're just calling it a tax right justice roberts um who's the who is the swing vote basically said you know but it's very interesting because the government didn't you know of course didn't want to say it was a tax so their right. argument was that it was um it would work under the Commerce Clause as a kind of a, a penalty having to do with commerce. And Roberts basically came down and said, no, it doesn't hold up under the Commerce Clause, but it does stand up as a tax, which to me is the equivalent of somebody like a defense attorney defending somebody who's been you know accused of murder and saying, okay, the case is built on the fact that this person is insane, Right. And that's our whole case. That's why he should be found not guilty. And the judge going, no, he's sane, but the fingerprints didn't match, so I'm going to let him off. You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah. what he did. He kind of like said, you argued this wrong. Here's how you should have argued it, and and it's going to hold up because of it, which is yeah, it's, interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, of course, that's political fodder for Republicans, and so um, we'll see how it impacts things with the – at least with, it doesn't change to your point, Adam, how it's going to be actually um, applied because it's still you still would have paid it for it through your federal income tax um, return if you choose not to get health insurance. But now it just won't be labeled as a penalty, I guess. So it's got more political ramifications and certainly some judicial ramifications um, right. based on some other things. So two, Medicaid expansion is coming maybe. So this was the one part that was struck down. And if I had to put it in a nutshell, it would be the federal government is expanding Medicare. And part of the law said, hey, states, if you don't agree to this expansion of Medicare, then we can take away all of your Medicare funding. So not just what you're already, you know, not just the new expanded part, but also the initial part. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. You can't for, you can't basically penalize them for opting out of the new expansion by taking away the entire deal 
So that's a big deal, and people are still trying to figure out how that's going to impact which states are going to opt in and opt out and all of that. Uh, three, accountable care organizations and other healthcare delivery reforms will move ahead. Uh, th- that's where we were hearing that these things probably would have moved ahead anyway without this ruling uh, because private payers believe that this is the best way to reduce costs and improve care, and many providers agree. But now, uh, obviously, with the federal um, law in place and the support of that, it will go full steam. And then the final point they make is that the law is here to stay for sure, dot, 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 until the November election. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, the point there is, if basically you would have to have a Republican sweep. And not just a sweep, but a uh, pretty significant sweep. Uh, so they would have to win the House, which they already have. They have to keep that, which is likely. Uh, they have to win the Senate, which is a toss-up, and they have to win the presidency, which is also a toss-up at this point. Uh, now, it used to be, you, you know, the big problem with all this was you had to have a super majority. You know, you had to have you had to be able to break filibusters with a sixty-person um, majority. But there are ways around that that are devious that both parties have used. Uh, so it's possible they could dismantle it. But, you know, I'm going to go political one more time, and then I'll let you fill in anything, Adam, if you want to close it out. But uh, the, the way the Republicans have kind of responded to this just looks kind of bad. I mean, they don't. you don't have to agree with the law, and you don't have to be happy about the ruling, but they sound kind of petty. Right. You know, they're, they're kind of, well, we're going to, you know— I don't know. It just it just comes off like sore losers. But I my guess is the Democrats would have done the same <laughs> the same right. thing. Uh, right. So you know, it just remains to be seen. They're causing a big stink now. The House is going to vote to um, basically rescind it, which is meaningless because it won't do anything because the Senate won't agree with that. But it's just a symbolic vote. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they really make it an issue after the election. Uh, because people actually like most of what's in the law. So if they do dismantle it, they probably won't dismantle the whole thing. But anything you want to add to that? I think that's a good synopsis enough for this podcast. That's a good synopsis. And you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's complicated and it's just, it's, it's, it's so complicated. I mean, it's, there's some great breakdowns online. There's a couple that we have that we can maybe link up in the show notes. Um, But to me, it just feels like one of those things, you know, I've gone through and, and, tried to understand as much of it as I can. Um, but I think for most people, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned, you know, you're screwed either way. You know, you gotta, it's like, is, is this going to get health? Is, is health insurance going to be more affordable as a result of this? Or am I going to be in the same boat that I was in before? I mean, I think a lot of people are just, it's hard to be, I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff in this bill, but it's hard to be excited about it when you really don't know how it's all going to pan out. Um, so time will tell. We'll see what happens. Yep, exactly. Okay, a couple, like you said, we'll post those articles. We also were sent uh, some videos from our pal and client, Chris Boyer, at Inova Health System. They produced two videos uh, that they're using for internal purposes, so we need to get his permission to share them uh publicly but i'm pretty sure he'll be fine with that we'll just confirm it before we post them but they're very well done uh and they're not done well done quality wise they use like literally like magazine cutouts on sticks like little puppets <laughs> and um they use very rudimentary props 
but it's it's humorous it's there's two videos one kind of explains the ruling like we just went over and then another one has two senior people from Inova and it's an interview and it kind of discusses what is the impact on their organization which is probably similar to what it would be for most health systems uh and i just thought they were really well done good sense of humor uh great way to use video so hopefully we can share those we'll get his permission uh to do that okay should we go on to the next item on the list Mm -hmm. uh this is kind of humorous i thought because it's in the most recent uh issue of business week which is the july 2nd issue and the actual title of the article is called qr code fatigue and if you look at the article in the magazine it's got like two-thirds of a page i'll show it to adam see how you can see it (laughs) two-thirds of a page is a big red block and right in the middle is a qr code and then there's a little caption that says how ridiculous are qr codes scan this one to find out and the article is just as they become starting to become ubiquitous uh, pretty much they're falling out of favor with pretty much everybody. So here's the here's a synopsis. Over the last couple of years, QR codes have become much more common. In December 2011, they appeared in 8.4% of all magazine ads, up from 3.6% at the start of the year. That ad trend may be reversing as more consumers realize QR codes aren't always worth the effort it takes to whip out a phone. According to Forrester Research, only 5% of Americans scanned a QR code between May and July of last year, the latest data available. Advertisers are looking everywhere possible they can connect with consumers, said Patty Freeman Evans, the analyst who edited the report. Consumers aren't saying, oh, I really want to be able to connect with companies and brands, which we talked about in a podcast recently. And then later on, uh, here's this quote. Very few people want to visit your corporate website to begin with, says Kelly Robertson, a director at AKQA, a digital ad agency acquired by WPP on June 20th. Fewer want to do it when they're out in the world or reading a magazine. So that pretty much says Joe Public doesn't care about your QR code. <laughs> right? Yeah. So Wait. I don't know. This isn't a surprise to me. Is it to you, Adam? No, not at all. I mean, I don't... I've never been a fan of QR codes. We've we've talked about them a number of times on the show. I, you know, I've always been like waiting for somebody to do something cool and innovative with them. I just don't know that that's even possible. You know, in this industry where people are constantly talking, any industry for that matter, constantly talking about creating and establishing and maintaining relationships with uh, uh, with their customers. And then to put out barcodes basically as your, you know, as a form of communication with your customers, it's about the most, it's about the most cold and robotic thing you could possibly do. Um, you know, we've seen some reports of campaigns that claim success using them. I don't buy the numbers in many of the cases. Um, And that's not to say that they totally suck. I mean, I think they they have their use. I've seen some cool things uh, in like retail settings where people have been able to use their phones to look up product information really quick or do some comparison. Mm -hmm. But that's not that's not about advertising. That's a that's a point of purchase um, information at that point. It's advertising, but advertising in a sense of like you just said. So it's not used in advertising. It it's marketing theoretically because you're providing people more access to information at a point of purchase, which is great. But right. I think that's a it's a distinction, but it's it's an important one that you're making. And the article does talk about 
uh, how the, the idea of the QR code is is being adopted. Uh, it's just it's just having more success in non advertising realms. So like on it says online ticket site Fandango says about thirteen percent of the movie theaters it works with have installed QR code readers to scan tickets displayed on smartphones. Or it talks about like a uh, I don't know if it was a zoo, can't remember what exactly it was, but they would walk around to the different displays and you could scan a QR code to get more information about the animal or whatever. Uh, think- so it, it is a good way to provide access to more data. It is, it's, but it's, in some of those cases, it's not necessarily new. It's it's somebody using a QR code in place of something that was already doing that. Like for like the the example of um, you know being able to have your ticket scanned at the movie theater. Uh, you know, it's just like a Twins ticket or a you know any that's had a barcode on it for the last ten fifteen years where they've scanned it. It's just a different code now. So rather yeah. than being a barcode, it's a QR code. Yeah, you're right. Um, and with uh, you know, you, I remember like. God, I don't know, maybe in high school, be going to some of the museums and you would have like some, you know, a, a set of headphones on that would plug into some scanner gun. And when you went by an exhibit, you could scan the barcode on the exhibit. And then in the headphones, it would recite something to you, you to you about the exhibit. Yep. Um, so it's, it's always interesting to me when these articles try to tout the, the, the awesomeness of QR codes based on the fact that they're simply replacing barcode barcodes that have already done this kind of stuff in the past um the cool thing about them is that from that perspective is that they certainly are easier to a little better anyway i mean there's there's other services that can easily quickly create a barcode from you but for you um but they're certainly very easy to create and they're very easy for people to implement into uh the marketing or into other other settings um like i said i just i have yet to see it really used well outside of you know what we talked about with the point of purchase type of things so yep i'm still waiting somebody do something cool and prove me wrong now i'm sure we're going to get one of our longtime listeners who will try to call us out on because I, I i think we've had this discussion this very same discussion about qr codes within the last year um but i know that initially we were like hey this is kind of cool you should check it out and try it and test it um and that was pretty much our attitude with it which doesn't mean that we've, you know, we're talking on both sides of our mouths. I think anything that's new like that is worth exploring, especially mm-hmm. something that's low cost and, you know, it's not a lot of pain in trying to adopt it. Uh, but if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean, right. uh, you know, I think in the beginning, people didn't know what you could do with it or hadn't thought through it fully. And uh, maybe the promise seemed bigger than what it was. But uh, again, I, I think it's not surprising that it's, waning no and i i would really love it if more people would include qr codes in their email signatures because <laughs> that's about as logical as a solar-powered flashlight well the, Wait, the, that is that is logical uh but the, a submarine with a screen door that was a good one the article does point out the website that you've referenced before the wtf qr code which contains photos of poorly placed codes like those in a billboard which we've joked about um and also inside of like a liquor bottle where you can't even <laughs> you can't even scan it but yeah all right so anyway uh if somebody has examples of qr codes uh that have worked for them and i know that we had a guest on what was his name oh no here's from the Duluth area do you remember i can't think of his name that's terrible sorry guest that we had on about a year ago who we talked about qr codes with It'll come to me sometime other in the podcast, but uh, we'd love to hear from people that have used it successfully. But anyway, 
Fun article. Okay, one more. This is good humor. And it's good humor at a couple levels. Uh, I think I found this on Twitter, and I apologize. I can't remember uh, where I got this link. But it's a post that will provide... Uh, from a blog that's called Whatever to Former More Perfect Union. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea what this blog post blog is about, but in, in it, there is a post on July 2nd, so that's um, yesterday, and it's making fun of a billboard from Independent Health, <laughs> where I don't know where Independent Health is. We should probably look that up, but it's a health system. And the billboard shows a group of people wearing red shirts in the shape of a – they're standing in a group, and the group forms the shape of a heart. And the headline says, you deserve the red shirt treatment. Now, in the post, the guy has morphed that with a picture of James T. Kirk from Star Trek. And he makes fun of it, um, but he doesn't really say – what it is. And like he says, one suspects that the folks at independent health are sweetly oblivious to the cognitive dissonance their chosen shirt color provides us geeks. So if you're not a geek of their level, which I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure what the humor was until we did some digging, right? right. Even you, Adam, who I think is geekier than I, <laughs> and not in a bad way, but I mean tech ways, you know way more tech stuff than I do, um, kind of had to look it up. But... Yeah, I makes, I, I'm not a... There's there's yeah, there's certainly different levels of of being a, a geek or a nerd. Um you know, you've got you've got your Magic the Gatherer players, which I will say <laughs> I, I have tried. You've got your Trekkies and your Star Trek fans, and that, that's that's the level you needed to be at to get this one, right. apparently it was the whole was to be a Trekkie. Now, once you looked it up, I have to say that it did ring a bell with me. And what they're referring to is uh kind of a running gag among Star Trek fans that there would always be people on the show that would they would just appear on the show, so they they weren't recurring characters. Uh, they were just new crew members, and they were always the ones that like were killed by the right. aliens or the monsters or whatever it was. And they inevitably wore red shirts. So the red shirts were the people that they, you know, just the extras that were brought on for a short-lived run, you know, within one episode, and they were killed off. <clears throat> so right. when you think about that, that basically <laughs> wearing a red shirt means you can get killed. The billboard <laughs> headline "You deserve the red shirt treatment" is, uh, in a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not inappropriate, but unfortunate. Right. And it also looks like there's a little TM by, I can't tell, yes. but it looks like there's a little TM by a red shirt and a red shirt treatment. Somebody notes that. Now, here's here's the part that made me laugh, too. In the comments below this post um, is, they talk a lot about Voltaire <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of other geeky stuff. But here's what one person says. Oh, they're probably not sweetly oblivious. They're mundanes, which is a capital M, which must be a label for non-geeks. They are mundanes and their lives don't revolve around geek trivia. I find it all the time. People enjoy going to the occasional fantasy or science fiction movie, but when they walk out of the theater, the nitty-gritty details are lost from their minds. The fact that we remember most of the trivia from all fantasy and science fiction sources is why we're called geeks. But I love the fact that there's a label for the rest of us called <laughs> mundanes, which is like <laughs> Harry Potter where they all the, the you know, yeah, they're muggles, right? So anyway, that's humorous. I wonder if the people at Independent Health have seen this or they obviously didn't know or didn't care about the yeah, reference. Yeah, or they, or they assumed that their use of it would trump any 
other use of it, <clears throat> even though it's apparently well established in the vernacular of these particular circles. Yeah. It's always funny. You never know what you have to worry about, you know? It seems <laughs> innocuous enough. It seems like a clever idea. Uh, I, I have to honestly say that I could have come up with that idea and had no clue that that would be a reference to the people who are going to die in Star Trek. So I don't blame the agency or the health system. And honestly, it probably affects about 0.02% of the population. So <laughs> probably not worth even changing. And who knows, even the, even those who do get it <clears throat> from a geek perspective, probably just, you know, are going to remember it even more because they enjoy the humor element of it. Well, maybe though, as one of the commenters put here, um, that billboard is enough to make a geek run screaming from independent health. <laughs> I'm glad you showed us this, John, because if I saw that while driving, I might laugh so hard I'd wreck my car. What independent health should do is if we get a hold of this is post here and go, holy cow, did we miss that one? You know, have some fun with it and acknowledge it. But I certainly want to advocate changing the campaign because I'm sure it's more than just a billboard. It looks like a program. Like maybe those are their volunteers that help in the, you know, in the heart center or something. Yeah. I don't know. Trying to see if I can find them on Facebook or somewhere else. At least they didn't call <clears> them <throat> the red coats. That would have been a worse historical... <laughs> Okay, well, I did find I did find their Facebook page, but uh, I don't see any red shirts on the page. <laughs> Who? Independent Health? Yep. It's got the little Apple logo, so it looks like it's the same. Independent Health Foundation. Is that the foundation for Independent Health, or is Foundation part of their name? I have to go back to that screenshot. I, you know, I don't even know what Independent Health is. So maybe it's not even Health System. Can you tell? I mean, the, the billboard just says Independent Health with an Apple yeah. logo. Yeah, that's what it, the, the Facebook page I ran across is Independent Health Foundation. So there's oh. just the foundation for them. I'm yeah. not sure. Huh. Yeah. Well, they need to improve their SEO because I can't find Jack. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's all we got for today, Adam. I think so. Some light holiday fare. It's like a nice, you know, fruit salad on 4th of July, this podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> Just okay, don't let it sit out too long or it'll go bad <laughs> in this heat. Independenthealth.com. We'll put that in the show notes. There's no red shirts on the homepage. No. Huh. It's probably you have but to there, dive deep into their heart section. There is a gigantic block of flash content in the center that i had to oh, click on that's extra to it. load since i had that blocked yeah i know you're a flash speaking fan. of which yeah both of, oh you do too right you keep all your flash crap blocked no not anymore i forgot to i forgot to put that plug in in when i switched my computer like two times ago <laughs> i ought to do it though all right we're gonna sign off so for the jackie list Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards. This is Chris Bevelo. And Adam Meyer. Oh, and quick side note, it was Nick Lansing who we had on the Nick, podcast thank a while you. back. From, yes. uh, where was he from? Essentia? Essentia Health, right? Essentia, and he brought us... First, he sent us that six-pack of Colt... No, we sent that to him. Liquor. Oh, we sent it to him. Or no, he, he brought it to us. Who, who brought it to who? I thought we got it for him. Because we, 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 we said we were going to get him some malt liquor. Yeah, because he won. He answered some trivia question. <laughs> yeah, 
I haven't, yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard from him in a while, so he, he had to come down and be a guest host so he could pick it up. Yep. It's cool. right. forty-five, I think, is what Jackie picked up for him, which was funny. Yep. We said we were going to get him forties, but we ended up getting him uh, regular long necks. I think that's way more information than we needed. Okay, we're going <laughs> to sign off now because we're under thirty minutes. It's a miracle. See you next time. See ya.